0: Welcome to False Flag Weekly News, the weekly news roundup of all of the crucially important, utterly depressing information that you really would rather not hear about. I'm Kevin Barrett with J. Mike Springwood. How are you doing?
1: I'm doing very well. I just finished a Algerian about uh, American foreign policy problems with Russia and the Ukraine and
0: Oh, yeah. The the Algerians actually let you speak uh, freely uh, quite, often, uh, quite often. I've, I've noticed. Yeah. Well, we're going to speak freely right here as long as we can. That's why we're not on YouTube anymore. Uh, I've to another two strikes on YouTube. So we, we question everything. You're not allowed to question a certain list of things on YouTube, things like election integrity, um, the uh, medical debates, things like that. But we do question things here and we're going to keep on questioning things. Uh, God willing and our, uh, listener or fewer sponsors willing as well. We're still behind on our fundraiser this week. We ended up behind last week. So cat video time real soon if we can't get back on track with that. Anyway, uh, disturbing material coming up. You're used to it because you've been watching probably Wells Flag Weekly News for a long time. So let's just start disturbing people. And, uh, and of course we don't offer medical and or medical health advice. And, uh, we don't charge money for you to sit on our couch and unburden your subconscious to us. That's just not what we do here. So let's do what we do. Uh, first story, uh, there's uh slim Pickens Biden, uh, heading down. And, and you know, it's Mike, I, I, it, I don't know why people aren't upset that all of the experts tell us that we're a lot closer to World War III, nuclear World War III, than we were back in the 1962 Cuban Missile Crisis when it was a a shot away, as the Rolling Stones would put it. And today, uh, these systems are much more accurate so that the advantage to the side that strikes first is much greater even than it was back then. Whoever strikes first destroys most of their enemy's stuff and so ends up less totally wiped out than the other side. Uh, this is looking almost inevitable. Um, how stupid are we?
1: Really stupid. Back in the, the Cuban Missile Crisis, Kennedy and realized what was happening, and they had back-channel communications that defuse the situation. Hey, we have these crazy generals uh, appointed by Buttner uh, uh, who are you know, raving that the Russians are ready to uh, attack so we have to throw nuclear bombs And they don't seem to have the idea that Russia has half the world's supply of atomic bombs. They can all do it overnight. I I think they're going to wind up uh, uh, destroying most of the population. And uh, with the thimble winter as a result of all the dust and dirt kicked up into the atmosphere, will starve because there won't be enough sunlight to grow plants or for animals to feed on plants. So these people are not in touch with the reality.
0: That, that doesn't sound good. You know, you Mike, you're being interrupted every like six or eight seconds briefly, so we miss a word that you say every six or eight oh. seconds. But I guess we'll uh we'll just have to make do with that. Uh, so uh here we are with nine eleven in Israel's great game, the brand new film by Lauren Guyano, author of From Yahweh to Zion, which I translated from the French. And Laurent will be uh introducing this film and then we'll have a panel discussion afterwards coming up on October 9th right here on noliesradio.org so mark your calendars for that uh well let's let's get onto the week's news uh so russia is partially mobilizing says vladimir putin and the key phrase he used was this is not a bluff and the whole uh, phrase was we will certainly make use of all weapon systems available to us this is not a bluff and the doctrine is that Russia will use all weapons, including nuclear weapons, quote, to in the event of a threat to the territorial integrity of our country. And now that we have referendums in the Donbass that will make the Donbass a part of Russia probably by October 1st, that will be next week's broadcast, uh, that means that any attacks on the Donbass are attacks on Russia with all of the consequences. So Paul Craig Roberts is cheering. He says that finally Putin is getting tough enough to dissuade the NATO warmongers, and that means that the chances of World War III are going down. I'm not so sure. How about you? Well, I'm
1: not so sure either, given the uh, the lunatics running the and NATO puppets. Uh, you've got um, uh, Vlad the Americans and telling NATO for the last 16 years that you keep advancing and uh, your weapons to our borders And we will object, of course. And we've got uh, this proxy war going in the Ukraine of America's hundred year war against first the Soviet Union and the Russian Federation. People just don't listen to reason. He has very, been very careful, very step by step, much like the Iran.
0: uh, These uh, red red lines, uh, the red lines have been absolutely clear. Uh, The Ukraine. Uh, NATO red line, that is, that it's a red line you're going to cross if you try to bring Ukraine into NATO, much less station any weapons there. That was made very clear back in 2008. So the, the Russians have been absolutely clear and rational all the way along. But unfortunately, that's not true for the, their enemies. No, indeed. And uh the Western media, in this case, MI6's Guardian, which poses as a sort of a left-leaning quasi-alternative outlet, are casting this as pertin uh putin pertin fluting no fluting, pertin no putin flirting with the grim prospect of nuclear war he's making nuclear threats he's brandishing these weapons at us uh maybe that's because that uh Biden and his friends just haven't been listening
1: responding to their threats against russia uh he's been responding to their war he's been responding to their uh, attempts to uh, engage the russian federation Southern border in Azerbaijan and Armenia and uh, Tajikistan and like they did uh, during the um, the war against the Soviets in Afghanistan, over and uh, create dissension and war uh, among the uh, four republics on its southern border and trying to create possibly war between them and uh, as a way of taking the pressure off of uh, Putin's. uh, complete no Ukraine, which the Americans and Zelensky or Zyolensky uh, created.
0: And, and this this article and other Western articles uh, are you know, obviously providing one side, a very propagandistic side of the story. And it's a good idea to actually read Putin's speech. It's hard to find the full text, but we do have it here in our show notes, which people can find by going to truthjihad.com. And then clicking on the False Flag Weekly News link and finding today's show, you'll see that full list of the 31 stories that we're covering along with links. So here's the full text in English of Putin's mobilization speech. And he points out that they, that is the uh, neocons that are running the U.S. NATO empire, are saying that they managed to split the Soviet Union in 1991. And now it's the same. Now it's time to do the same thing to Russia. So uh, Russia... is backed into a corner. And, you know, uh, this mobilization thing, uh, Tolstoy's War and Peace paints an interesting picture of what happens when Russia mobilizes. And uh, what the Germans found when they invaded Russia in World War II also uh, paints a very interesting picture of the capacity of Russian mobilization. So this is pretty serious. Uh, Russia has a history of mobilizing to defend against what it views Perhaps correctly as mortal threats to its existence, and uh, this beginning of this mobilization looks like it's going to. Uh, but it's going to give the NATO side uh, a really tough choice: do they, do they keep uh, attacking what's going to be Russia in in probably a week uh, and risk a uh, nuclear World War III, or do they back off? And uh, I, I don't know. Um, uh, well, uh, the, the, the propaganda stories, let's move on to the next propaganda story, CNN uh, c- covering the uh, Russian anti-war protests. Supposedly about a thousand people have been arrested. A handful of those drafted allegedly, according to Western media, uh, which isn't exactly the whole country uh, you know, going up in, in uh, anti-war protests, is it, Mike?
1: They're scattered. There's very few in number. And Russia is a big country. You've got hundreds, suddenly maybe a a thousand people demonstrating across the country. Is a for the bias and prejudice, the lamestream media in the United States and Europe.
0: Indeed. Uh, So there's a a good analysis, actually, from a former CIA official, that's Ray McGovern, in in the next piece, Brainwashed for War on Russia. And uh, he begins by pointing out, that Biden's sorcerer's apprentices, uh, namely Anthony Blinken, Jacob Sullivan, and the China specialist Kurt Campbell, are uh, not having any problem rallying Americans to the biggest war in 77 years, starting in Ukraine, maybe spreading to China, all because of the mainstream media's unrelenting, over-the-top propaganda. I've never seen anything like this in my lifetime. When I first started reading news, I remember the Vietnam War coverage in the early 1970s, was relatively balanced compared to what we're seeing today. I mean this is at the level of oh, this is world war level. This is Soviet Union level propaganda. This is Nazi Germany level propaganda. Our media is no longer even remotely like the vastly prejudiced and CIA owned uh media that it used to be even 20 years ago, even though it was still uh an organ of the deep state, it was not as shrill, one-sided, immature uh, as if it's 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 hysterically ranting to teenagers, if if not pre-teenagers, I mean, it's it's just utterly disgusting. How can anybody look at what's coming out of our mainstream media and refrain from vomiting or even you know taking torches and pitchforks and trying to go to their headquarters and do something about it?
1: Well, they're completely forgetting history. Who used the name uh, when he was a CIA station chief in Kiev? Uh, orchestration of the uh, overthrow of the legitimate government of the Ukraine in 2014. You've got CIA station chiefs masquerading uh, as in Baku, Azerbaijan, and in Kiev, and I've been told by an informed source. So I, I think that uh, the CIA apparently uh, thinks that it can do whatever it wants uh, and uh, coerce the Americans into forgetting how uh, beginning with Woodrow. Nineteen eighteen, they've been fighting first the Soviet Union and then the uh, the Russian Federation. pointed out in my article, the Hundred Years War on Substack. So I, I think that uh, and the media, as uh, Robert Parry, who's now dead, pointed out a long time ago, that depended on government contacts and advertising from big business, uh, most of which a great deal of uh, trade with the Pentagon to kill other people. So I, I think. The Americans don't realize that five or six people control uh, most of the news they hear.
0: Well, Ray McGovern, I, I think, hits the nail on the head in this article, pointing out that thanks to the media propaganda, they're going to get their war. Uh, and then he adds, shockingly, under false pretenses. So shockingly, <laughs> I'm shot. I'm shot. Yeah, the well, U.S. Empire would like, fight exactly. a war under false pretenses.
1: In Syria and in Libya? Oh, come
0: on. Yeah, so that was the one was one audience? thing in this article that kind of struck a discordant note. But other than that, it was uh, excellent. The well, next article is also excellent from the Saker, uh, pointing out that Russia is mobilizing about 1.2% of her potential. They're calling up about 300,000 soldiers. Uh, the potential, ultimately, of, of people military age or males, of course, because they still actually have two different genders in Russia, the males and the females, which we completely have forgotten about here, uh, that would be 25 million military-age males who could be mobilized. And so they're calling up 300,000 out of 25 million, which amounts to 1.2%, according to the Saker's math. I didn't check that, but it's probably correct. Um, and he points out that the clueless Russian fifth column tried to organize some protests, and uh, you know, a few hundred people arrested 96 in St. Petersburg, 89 in Moscow, and so on. Well, if that's all the CIA can do to get people in Russia turned against their country, it's. I think we need to rethink the tax money that we Americans are paying to the CIA.
1: Well, exactly. I mean, when I was in international relations class, and Professor Brill said, if you really wanted to convince the head of the strength of your resolve and your will to engage in combat, call and this is what Vlad the Impaler has done. And He's only done part of it. And the Americans are terrified of a thousand more soldiers available to fight NATO in the Ukraine.
0: Well, the funniest part of this article was the end with the uh, picture and description of Alexander Belek, who appears to be a person of ambiguous gender. uh, Maybe it's Alexandra Bellic, for all I can <laughs> tell, who's the coordinator of the Russian conscientious objectors. So basically, that tells you all you need to know. The only people in Russia who are against this war are the tiny handful whose uh, minds and or hormones have been perverted, whether by media pollution from the West or by uh, physical pollution or whatever it is that does these things to people. But uh, I think anyway, the Saker gets it pretty much right in this article. And the next article is also by somebody who gets it pretty much right, some former diplomat named uh, J. Michael Springman. Uh, do you recognize that name, Mike?
1: Yeah, I've heard about it somewhere. He wrote some terrible books that criticized the government, like Al-Qaeda and Goodbye Europe, Hello Chaos.
0: Yeah, yeah. The, the uh, Visas for Al-Qaeda is, is kind of a, a classic about how the 9-11 and uh, similar types got sent to America under orders from the CIA characters running the embassy, uh, over in Saudi Arabia. Uh, this, I thought this article was, was very good. And it actually, uh, along with, you know, covering the fairly familiar ground also had some stuff I didn't know much about. For instance, the, the death of this German journalist, Manuel Oxenreiter, who apparently had interviewed Uh, The Alexander Dugan recently was a dissident Mm -hmm. German journalist, and I guess he turned up dead? I I don't know much about that.
1: Yeah. Well, uh, Oxenreiter had injured times, uh, and he had done a number of trips into the Donbass to and wrote articles very critical of uh, the Ukraine and the Western powers. And uh, one of his friends found him lying on bedroom at home and uh he um sent him to the hospital and, and uh, died in a coma and nobody seems to explain it he's thoroughly hated by the German government uh and a lot of uh, uh the people who uh, condemn uh Russia and the Russian Federation, uh yet nobody really looked at. It. And uh I think that's so very strange because he uh Dugan had pushed for a um uh, uh, an polar
0: world mhm yeah so that's uh another another case of a pesky uh german uh, journalist uh dying before his time that was the that was the same case yeah. with uh with that uh what's his name uh who wrote who wrote uh the uh, uh prostitutes or prostitutes in the pay of the CIA uh remind me his name i remember Oh, yeah, right? uh, boy. It's, but yeah, he, he also, see, that guy, uh, passed away. It seems like being a German journalist who opposes the NATO occupiers of Germany is, uh, not necessarily good for your health. Uh, yeah. but anyway, this was, this was a great article. And, uh, you, you got into the situation in Armenia where, uh, the wicked witch of the warmongering West, Nancy Pelosi, yeah. uh, that's the title of my forthcoming article for American Free Press. Uh, flew over there to try to stir up trouble, try to break off Armenia from Russia, uh, create, get, get that war with Azerbaijan to the next level so that it can present the Russians with uh, a huge problem, another front, a uh, war, another war right there on their border, threatening their interests. Although last I heard Putin, when he heard that the U.S. was trying to break off Armenia and take responsibility for having to defend Armenia, including the stupid things Armenia sometimes does, that, uh, Putin's response was kind of to yawn and say, good riddance. So I, I don't know if this plan is going to work, but in any case, they're they're stirring up trouble in every way they possibly can.
1: Exactly right, and it's going to come back and bite them. I mean, they tried this in the past in the uh, Afghanistan by sending the Mujahideen terrorists across the border uh, in the Muslim republics of the old Soviet Union.
0: That's right, and so this uh, escalation in Ukraine, uh, possible escalation. Uh, in Armenia and then of course Taiwan is now, we'll get to that in a moment about what just happened with the China Taiwan thing. It's, it's like the US really wants to fight, uh, World War three against everybody at once. Uh, what a brilliant plan. Wouldn't it be smarter to just like break them off and like deal with them one at a time? But no, no, they're, they can, we have to fight everybody. Um, so we, here's the, the provocation for the referendums. We, we should have mentioned this earlier probably. That, uh, the, you know, the Ukrainians or the Ukrainian Nazi element of the Ukrainians has been slaughtering civilians in the Donbass now, uh, for what eight years and it's ongoing. And so the latest massacre is being used as the excuse for the referenda. Although, of course, the reasons for that uh, go far beyond just this most recent, uh, deliberate slaughter of civilians, uh, by Ukrainians using U.S. made weapons.
1: Been going on since 2014, and these are ethnic Russians in the Ukrainian east, the Donbas. Ukrainians, uh, with the uh, approval of the United States, have killed some 14,000 of them, and that doesn't appear in the New York Times or the Washington Post.
0: That's right. And now it's the uh, these new howitzers that the Americans are sending over that are apparently uh, proving very useful in accelerating the shelling of uh, residential neighborhoods and other uh, civilian centers. They're basically uh, doing collective punishment, which is what the Israelis and the Americans always do when they go to war. And the Russians have been trying to avoid that up until now. They left. Uh, the entire Ukrainian infrastructure intact didn 't try to take out the electricity, the communications the sewage the water it 's the first thing the u s ever always does when it attacks a country, whether it 's the former Yugoslavia or the Middle Eastern countries. just destroy all the infrastructure, punish, and kill a lot of the civilian population and The Russians tried to avoid that um, but it's it's not clear how much longer they're going to be able to keep the gloves off um, and we'll see where that goes in any case. Uh, another interesting story this week was the Uh, Ukraine is turning into a big (laughs) Israel. That's apparently what uh, Zelensky wants. And interestingly, as Zelensky gives his speech saying Ukraine is becoming a big Israel, the Atlantic Council, which is the main NATO uh, PR propaganda think tank, which has actually named me one of the world's biggest eight COVID misinformation super spreaders, uh, this Atlantic Council has uh, now officially proposed apartheid Israel as a blueprint for Ukraine. And I guess the blueprint is that in both cases, there is one breed of human that is superior. That would be the Chosenites in, in occupied Palestine, uh, and the Ukrainian speakers in Ukraine. And then there's another breed of human being that is clearly inferior. The, uh, the, that would be umter mentioned. And that would be, of course, the Palestinians in occupied Palestine mm. and the Russian speakers in Ukraine. I could say Nazi occupied Ukraine. Uh uh-huh. yeah so that's uh, what do you think about this comparison, Mike? Because I, I was thinking that the one thing that's different is that the Palestinians versus the uh, the Zionist invaders is that they're they're really two different cultures. The Zionists came from across the oceans, thousands of miles away, and brought a totally different culture into Palestine. So the Zionists versus their uh, Palestinian victims, there is this difference of culture. Whereas in Ukraine, the Ukrainian-speaking Ukrainians and the Russian-speaking Ukrainians are really not that different. There are a lot of people who are somewhat bilingual. And they share the culture. So I think it's going to be a little harder. Also, they look alike, uh, whereas the Palestinians and the Israelis somewhat look alike. But you can sort of tell them apart a little bit more. So I think it's going to be a little harder to enforce this uh, Israeli-style apartheid on Ukraine. What do you think?
1: Well, Zelensky, I, you I know, wish you call him that since he's such a... Uh, he's promised to do what the Israelis have done in occupied Palestine an armed soldier in every shop and grocery store and toothbrushes and all of the Ukraine, what's left of it, under his control, uh, and you have top-down government control of the people, and anyone who steps out of line gets you.
0: Well, sorry, Mike, you just get cut off. As uh, so well, I'll jump in and point out that this uh, paper for the Atlantic Council uh, recommending that Ukraine become the next big, bigger Israel, was written by Danny Shapiro, who is Obama's former ambassador to Tel Aviv, who's now an Israeli spy tech consultant. So they, they have some wonderful people that they uh, dredge up for this kind of work. Uh All right, next story here is uh, very important. Uh This is published in Newsweek by David Rundell, who worked at the U.S. Embassy in Riyadh, Saudi Arabia, uh, which I guess you're familiar with, Mike. And, uh, also Michael Gethuller, the former political advisor to the U.S. Central Command. So these are pretty, uh, connected, you know, deep state connected people, uh, publishing in Newsweek this article pointing out that 90% of the world is not with us on Ukraine. He points out that countries that were once partners or not aligned are becoming increasingly multi-aligned. The web of sanctions has become a sieve, uh, that Russia is kept solvent by Chinese oil purchases. Iran has become the largest customer for Russian wheat, and most of Latin America, Africa, and uh, Asia are all siding with Russia and refusing to obey the U.S. sanctions. And the authors recommend a negotiated settlement, ASAP, uh, or else. Uh, I thought it was really interesting that something this honest and informative would actually appear in Newsweek. Uh, Were you you surprised too, Mike?
1: I wasn't. I quoted the article in an earlier interview with this Algerian uh, television twenty four when they asked me isn't russia isolated and I said no n- nearly ninety percent of them isn't following the american line uh other than the, the puppet states of, of europe uh, on uh, actions against russia they I, they 're buying russian oil they're buying they're buying Russian coal and uh, uh mexico and brazil the biggest states America aren't following the U.S. line either. So I, I think that the, the themselves and, and thinking that because uh, uh, Schultz in Germany and in France uh, and uh, that that uh, who's trust now trust uh, hmm. is running uh, uh, merry old England. The I mean the, uh, it, it's all in the Americans' mind.
0: Well, you know, these, these politically correct woke types who are running this attempt to get World War III going uh, are supposed to dislike Eurocentrism. Right. The belief that all that's important in the world happens among white people in Europe and the colonized parts of the world that the white people took over, like the Americas, Australia, New Zealand. That's Eurocentrism. And guess what? These people are the most Eurocentric on Earth. These woke people are basically everything we have hear about how Russia is so isolated. It's all about Europe. It has nothing to do with the 90 percent of the world that is not with us on this. So anyway. Kudos to these guys for probably risking their careers for publishing this honest of an article. Well, two guys who won't risk their careers because they're basically uh, dissidents and whistleblowers. Uh, Noam Chomsky and Daniel Ellsberg uh, did a very interesting discussion here on Paul Jay's analysis show, uh, pointing out that these crazy neocons running U.S. foreign policy, seem like they're just desperate to get a two-front war going against these huge Eurasian powers, Russia and China. Uh And this week, Biden said, yes, we will defend Taiwan if it's attacked. Uh, this is the fourth time in 13 months that Biden has, has said this. And in the previous times, he didn't say it quite that strongly, and they, they kind of semi-walked it back, and this time not so much. Uh So this, as Chomsky and uh, Ellsberg point out, uh, this is completely insane. They're, they're moving to essentially declare war on China by treating Taiwan like a sovereign state. If the U.S. had stuck with its post 1970s policy, there would be zero problem, zero chance of any Chinese invasion anytime within decades. But by forcing the issue, they're actually trying to get a war going with China while they think that they could still win. That's what's actually going on. And uh, I thought this was a really interesting show. They mentioned the Jack Jack London uh, story of why, why we will need to wage biological warfare on China, the yellow peril. Uh, this was like a century ago almost, and it looks like it happened with COVID-19. Um, of course, they didn't say that, nor are these guys likely to say anything honest about 9-11. They have limits of where they can go, but it was still a pretty informative discussion.
1: I mean, the uh, the the nationalist Chinese on Taiwan and the People's Republic on the mainland. There is only one China, and somehow our, our fearless leader, our our, our thinks that uh, he can tell the the mainland Chinese and their billions what they have to do is walk into the uh, uh, the ocean between uh, Taiwan. And, uh, they can simply walk and take over the island and uh, drown a few Chinese in the process. The uh, the mosh pit.
0: And, and the real point of all of this, again, this is not about China threatening Taiwan and then the U.S. coming to its mm-hmm. defense. This is about the U.S. trying to provoke China into getting into a war in Taiwan, a war that would never happen without the provocation. The next article from Antiwar.com uh, makes that point very clearly and succinctly. Uh, there's really not much more that they could do to provoke this war. It's like with the eight point plan to provoke Japan to attack at Pearl Harbor, uh, they ticked off all eight of those items and they succeeded. They got Japan to attack and they had broken the codes. They knew it was coming. Well, here they've ticked off their however many points. I forget <laughs> to, uh, to start a war over Taiwan. Everything. It's, so, you know, they, they did the, uh, Pelosi's visit, uh, Biden saying, yes, we will defend Taiwan. Uh, then Congress is passing the Taiwan Policy Act, $6.5 billion for weapons and training, uh, $500 million per year war reserve stockpile, and uh, the designation of Taiwan as an official major non-NATO ally that's all treating Taiwan as sovereign, that's breaking the U.S. One China policy and essentially declaring war on China. So they've done everything they can, just like Roosevelt did uh, prior to Pearl yeah. Harbor and we'll see whether China falls for it.
1: Well, I don't think the Chinese are that stupid, and uh, the Americans are doing the best to provide these by sending warships and warplanes into Chinese territorial waters. They have nuclear-powered aircraft carriers with atomic bombs on board sailing up and down in the water in Formosa or Taiwan. So I I think this is absolute nonsense, but uh, nobody questions this, not the 1,000 journalists on staff at the Washington Post.
0: Well, the bad news about the Republican Party is that it's at least as bellicose on China Mm -hmm. as the Democrats. But the good news about the Republican Party is they have a couple of guys who appear to be dedicated to going to, as far as they have to, to expose the truth about COVID origins. That's uh, Mm -hmm. Rand Paul here, who has called the COVID origins cover-up the biggest cover-up in the history of science and uh, there's Ron Johnson from my home state of Wisconsin, who says that if he wins and the Republicans get a majority, he will use his committee powers to uh, get to the truth of the of COVID origins. Well, that's all well and good, but the Republicans, who are more hawkish on China, actually were in control. It was a Republican administration that attacked China and Iran with COVID. That's where COVID came from, almost certainly. And so I wonder if these guys have the guts to expose the fact that COVID was a U.S. bioattack on Iran and China, as is laid out uh, in in great detail. Uh, the reasons for out. thinking that in Ron Unz's work. Uh, so should, should should I vote for for Ron Johnson and hope that they'll be able to get this done, or do you think that uh, we'll all be disappointed once again?
1: I know you dropped out. You and I disappeared from the screen.
0: Oh no, that's just on your end, Mike. You're having you're having some kind of bandwidth problems.
1: Okay, well, I'm going to raise some, uh, cane RCN then. Um, but, uh, would the listeners like, uh, she's home address? They can maybe send him a letter. Fauci's as- home address?
0: Pardon? <laughs> Who, Whose home address?
1: He lives, it's Anthony S. Fauci, okay. 43rd Street Northwest, Washington, D.C. 20016.
0: What was the street number on 43rd Street Northwest? 43rd
1: Street Northwest.
0: Right. What, what, what's the address, the number? 012.
1: 012, 43rd Street
0: 3012. Northwest.
1: 3012.
0: What was the first digit?
1: 3012.
0: Okay. We got it now. Oh, Okay. <laughs> okay. Well, we can go ask Fauci. Uh, although I'm not even sure if Fauci has the necessary security clearance. I mean, this, this bio attack <laughs> could have been done by as few as a, uh, you know, handful of people citing authority from somebody like Mike Pompeo. Trump wouldn't even have had to know about it. Uh, much less Fauci. So I don't know. We we could go and waterboard him though. Uh, it might mm. be worth it. <laughs> Just kidding. Uh, <laughs> I certainly wouldn't be threatening Anthony e. Fauci, uh, uh, much less planning to waterboard him. Uh, well, what's the next story here? Oh, well, next story, another COVID cover-up story is the global excess mortality rates are still out of control. Uh, the increase in excess mortality over three successive summers. Wait a minute, the first summer was the COVID summer. The second summer we got the vaccines. How can it keep going up, up, up? Uh, but indeed, excess mortality uh, across a long, a large number of countries. Uh, rather, in Western countries in particular, uh, rather than returning to baseline pre-pandemic, pre-pandemic mortalities levels has continued to rise. And it, what's especially concerning is that there's been a rise among Younger people, working age people. It's not so much just the, uh, the retired, uh, demographic that got the worst of COVID itself. So something's happening here. And this article points out there are a long list of possible causes, but the one that you're just not allowed to talk about is, of course, that V word, uh, which very likely could be a part of that picture, maybe a very big part of that picture. Uh, so I don't know. Can we talk about this, Mike? Oh,
1: well, yes, we can. We can say what Professor Anthony, uh, Says, who teaches at the University of Illinois Law School? He calls them Frankenshaw. first Say, uh, given the, the the numbers games that uh, the the mainstream media, competent and uh, corrupt governments have been doing. Well, you know, uh, I, I learned one time at Georgetown that uh, statistics are like a bikini: what they reveal is, but what they conceal is vital. So I, I think that uh, we need to look into the that into the um, uh, and a real investigation of, of course, nobody wants to do this. Uh, they say things like uh, uh, Ralph McGee, he who did a nursing home where he'd been for the last 10 or 15 years in Maine. Oh, he of, um, um the virus, even though he's 92 years old, and that's why he was in a nursing home. Or the guy who was uh, killed in a motorcycle crash dying of COVID. So I think uh, we need an investigation, but we won't get it. Uh, and nobody really wants to investigate uh, Peace President for Life uh, uh, entrance into the Second World War.
0: Okay. Well, the uh, excess mortality rates are probably a better statistic than so-called COVID deaths for the reason that you mentioned and uh, and the fact that they're up and still up is uh, greatly concerning and is probably one reason why people are not shooting up their kids with these experimental injections. Thank goodness. Uh, This is from Alex Berenson pointing out something that I pointed out back in August in my article in American Free Press. The headline of that article was, we're all anti-vaxxers now. And I pointed out that vaccine uptake has totally stalled uh, for adults too, but it has really stalled for the kids. Uh, most people, it seems like 90% plus have the common sense not to force these things on their kids. The risk benefit ratio is just off the charts bad for uh, giving these to kids. And so uh, this is, this is good news. And what it means is the propaganda campaign really hasn't worked and that apparently people are still using common sense and, or consulting alternative sources like us who will still talk honestly about these things.
1: Mm. Well, it's kind of hard to find anybody to talk. I think giving children uh, these Franken shots is child abuse. And i saw a law student uh, at American University, and he says the university doesn't shots that he got in Jordan. They want him to take another set, and he's not really inclined to do that. And I think for good reason.
0: Yeah. And, and, uh, so a lot, a lot of people are not inclined to take these shots and they're even less inclined to give them to their kids. Uh, well, so we've, we're living through this, uh, increase in excess mortality and the, the threat of global nuclear war. And let's not forget economic collapse. I'm starting to sound like Alex Jones or somebody, you know, doomsaying and gloom saying, uh, buy some gold, buy, buy some, uh, some male enhancement supplement, uh, <laughs> buy some guns and uh, I, I don't have any guns or supplements or gold to sell you, unfortunately, um, so you'll just have to donate to our fundraiser if you want to keep the show going, because unlike Alex, I don't know how to get rich quick selling that stuff, but hey, uh Alex is right about a lot of things, including the fact that things are actually looking pretty grim right now. The Federal Reserve is collapsing the economy, says Paul Craig Roberts, uh, and wait a minute, Paul Craig Roberts is this, like, conservative you know, free market kind of guy, right? He, he helped uh, create Reaganomics. But now um, he's, uh, he's really flipped. He said that things went way too far in that direction that he started taking things back in the what, uh, 80s. And so now uh, by raising interest rates, the Fed is strangling the economy. And because the inflation is being caused mainly at the supply end, that uh, you can't stop this inflation by killing the economy. It'll just make things worse. There'll be even less supply as businesses shut down. So Stephanie Kelton in the next uh, article, Basically agrees with Roberts and goes into the economic details of why this is the case. She points out that the Fed has never managed to guide the economy to a soft landing with rate hikes, and she prognosticates that there is approximately a three in three chance of a very bad outcome. I don't know why that's like not a four and four chance or a five and five chance or a hundred and a hundred percent chance or whatever, but she says it's a three in three chance of a bad outcome. That sounds pretty bad.
1: It does. I understand economics. I mean, you've got cost-push inflation and demand uh, And uh, these are the people that crashed the economy during the the pandemic uh, and uh, created all kinds of supply problems. And uh, nobody has any money if they're if they're not at work and haven't been vaccinated. Uh, gotten those shots who uh, are uh, live in another world or on another planet and don't understand money and supply and economics and things like that.
0: Okay, well enough uh depressing news about the economy. Let's let's talk about something cheerful and uh and fun. Uh crimes against humanity. Okay. Uh first crime against humanity, the assassination of General Soleimani is one of the most outrageous uh international crimes of our time and the president of Iran, uh Ibrahim Raisi is calling for the pr- prosecution of Trump uh in that case. Um, well, Trump is facing some legal jeopardy, as we'll be discussing later in the show, but it's all over pretty nickel and dime stuff compared to this.
1: Well, the thing of it is, is that we shouldn't Trump will still Stiltskin. We can go on to General Mark Milley, the chief of the Imperial General Staff, obviously had to transmit the order and didn't bother to talk Trump out of it. And then we have yep. the intelligence agency. He was involved in this, obviously. Uh, the National Security Agency. Uh, and all the people who liaised with the uh, the Zionist entity, the uh, the apart that styles itself Israel, who helped in in targeting and and locating uh, uh, General Soleimani and the uh, deputy chief of the popular uh, movement organization in in uh, in Iraq, uh, al muhandis they seem to have forgotten all about them
0: yeah that's that's a good point, so maybe instead of executing Trump, they should execute the deep state, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Trump probably would agree with that you know he might yeah. even regret his decision here uh I certainly hope he would um uh, well, more iran related news. Uh, here's my take on these supposed feminist rising around. Feminists? Are you kidding? These are like teenage boys. These are teenage males uh, hyped on testosterone and CIA propaganda running around, burning down uh, hospitals, burning ambulances, setting cars on fire, rioting in the streets. This is women? Give me a break. What BS. Uh, and what the, what's really going on in Iran right now is a, a repeat of 1953. The CIA, uh, in 1953, paid off icy Ramadan and brainless Shaban, the two biggest mobsters in Tehran, to create a -a rent-a-mob to get out in the streets, raise hell, and provide cover for a regime change attempt, which unfortunately succeeded. They overthrew democratically elected uh, Prime Minister Mossadegh and installed the brutal uh, puppet Shah who then in turn was overthrown by a, a popular revolution in 1979. So what's happening here in Iran right now is like what's what happened in Libya and Syria in 2011, what happened in Kiev in 2014. The uh, Western intelligence agency connected propagandists managed to get some people in the street and then they, they incite violence one way or another. They are well known uh, for sending snipers in. I don't know if they're able to get any snipers into Iran, but in Libya and especially Syria, and kiev they had snipers fire on both sides uh, so the crowds would think it was the cops firing on them the cops would think it was the crowds firing on them and they can get civil wars going so they got a civil war in syria civil war in libya civil war in ukraine and now they're trying to get a civil war going in iran and uh, unfortunately the whole western media is lying about this because it's all controlled by the same propagandists who are actually doing this and so people are grossly misinformed. And here I am on press TV trying to help inform them a little better.
1: Well, exactly. I know a, uh, an African recently that uh, the driving force behind the up uh, uh, are Iranian courage, which, of course, are being manipulated by, I would assume, the U.S. and entity. Uh, plus the fact that when I was in Iran uh, a bit more than four years ago, Wearing not much in the way of head coverings, I mean, they had a, a couple of uh, ribbon uh, holding their ponytail together, uh, and uh, I saw an awful lot of hair. Uh, and I read, uh, oh, years ago now, the 2005 book uh, "Lips" uh, by an Iranian American who talked when she went back to Iran to visit relatives. Women were cocking a snook at the the morality police uh, by doing the very. Covering their hair. So I, I think this is something that's created out of nothing to ensure more war in Iran uh, now that the American sanctions don't seem to be uh, crushing me the and the, the government.
0: Yeah, it's being presented in the Western media as some kind of police brutality thing. Uh, a woman named Masa Amini died under circumstances that are uh, far from clear, unlike what happened to, let's say, uh, Shireen Abu Akla. In the next slide, mm. we, we see that the latest investigation by a British uh, logistics uh, operation that, that is, specializes in reconstructing events like this, found that Shireen Abu Akhla, the Palestinian-American journalist, was brutally or, quote, deliberately and repeatedly targeted by an Israeli sniper, taking precise and careful aim. There were 16 shots fired. All shots were fired above the shoulders and intended to kill. So this was a deliberate murder, uh, unlike whatever may have happened in Iran. And then in the next slide, we see that at the same time that this happened in Iran, in Iraq, this Iraqi teenage girl, Zainab al-Khazali, was murdered by Americans, a shot fired from the Victoria military base near Baghdad International Airport. Well, this happens all the time. Americans constantly kill Iranian kids uh, and Pal- Israelis even more constantly kill Palestinian kids all the time. It happens all the time. So it's not news. But if there's some allegation, no matter how baseless, of some Iranian woman uh, dying after police mistreatment, then the entire uh, global Zionist media is up in arms about it. Uh, it's it's really uh, pretty disgusting, the uh, hypocrisy of our mainstream media. Once again, I'm not going to advocate taking torches and pitchforks to their offices, but I, I wouldn't be heartbroken if that happened.
1: Well, all they need to do is be treated like uh, they treat uh, foreign journalists like uh, Shireen. I mean, uh, you know, a, a couple of targeting uh, soldiers uh, or people uh, being blown up uh, in the middle of that might uh, change people's attitudes a little bit.
0: Inshallah. Inshallah. And of course, it's the the Zionists who really set the tone for all of this. They're the ones that have dragged the U.S. into this hostile relationship with Iran and the rest, all of the people of the region, uh, because nobody in the region likes the Zionist genocide of the Palestinians. It's really that simple. Uh, so let's move on to our Zionist entity news. The uh, suspected 9/11 perp, uh, Netanyahu is now we are told poised to lead the most right-wing government in Israeli history the elections are set for November 1st in this Naftali Bennett Eilet Shaked coalition and Shaked is, is the famous uh female uh of whatever species i'm not sure Israeli palace, uh, or rather israeli uh, politician who has called for the murder of not only the little snakes and that means the palestinian children but also the uh the mothers who bear them that's her uh, claim to fame. And so she's been running the government in Israel. But now Netanyahu, who's even more extreme and who is high on the suspects list, and murdering 3,000 Americans on 9-11-2001, looks like he's coming back. You can't get rid of him. Somebody drive a stake through this guy's heart.
1: Uh, typical of the Israeli government, I mean, that you, you take and send him to Mars without a spaceship, and you will still have another right-wing crazy to take his place. Goes on and on and on. There's
0: no shortage of right wing crazies in Iran.
1: No, no. In, 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 right,
0: I'm in, sorry, in, in Israel. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. But, I mean, yeah. these are the people that go to a lot of other pictures,
1: places. Uh, with pictures of a uh, a woman carrying a fetus on it and uh, the sign saying uh, two with one shot.
0: Yeah. Yeah. That's that's apparently a popular slogan for the IDF. Yeah. The the pictures of the pregnant woman's belly with a target painted on it. All the soldiers love to wear that. They're advertising their real thought. I mean, these people are conscious of participating in genocide. About about a third of uh, Jewish American young people uh, believe that Israel is committing genocide in Palestine. And I would hope that some of them actually oppose it. I don't think they asked that question in the poll. Uh, Well, moving on to. More Zionist entity news here from Whitney Webb. Uh, well, this is actually a Mercola review of Whitney Webb's book, which I'm very much looking forward to reading and hopefully interviewing her and working on that. And uh, I think that it's a really important topic. Whitney's work on this has been really uh, solid and impeccable and incredibly important, pointing out that Jeffrey Epstein was obviously an Israeli agent collecting blackmail on American politicians. This is par- part of how the Zionist entity uh, keeps its death grip on the American government. It's a big part of it.
1: And the United States, with the uh, criminal elements of the mafia and other organizations for God knows how many years, Second World War, the U.S. government was working with Lucky Luciano, the mobster, in, uh, in uh, moving American forces through Italy. I mean, my God, the, where do you stop?
0: That's right. And of course, Meyer Lansky, the head of, uh, organized crime in the Western Hemisphere for a couple of decades, uh, post World War II was well known for collecting sexual blackmail. And indeed, uh, J. Edgar Hoover of the FBI had a lot of sexual blackmail material on politicians himself, but Lansky ultimately controlled it because Lansky had pictures of Hoover and his, uh, his whatever, uh, Clyde Tolson, uh, his boyfriend, I guess. Uh, so the real ruler of the United States in the Western Hemisphere uh, for a couple of decades was Meyer Lansky. And that just shows us how there's no democracy in the United States. It's an oligarchy. It's a criminal oligarchy. And, you know, the unelected dictator uh, for quite some time was Meyer Lansky. Uh, and when those guys don't like somebody like the Kennedy brothers, boom, you know, they get popped and they have enough media clout to make sure that the media lies about it. I mean, this is an utterly com- corrupt system. Anybody who thinks that we're going to preserve democracy by shooting down Trump or anything like that is out of their mind. There's no democracy, and there hasn't been at least since November 1963. But the propaganda, of course, tells us there is. And so let's move on to the propaganda section. Here's Pierce Robinson, a propaganda expert from the UK, talking about uh, the propaganda over the COVID Pandemic, the COVID years. Uh, and uh, he talks about the, the censorship, uh, smearing people, uh, coercing people. We've faced all of that here. I was smeared as one of the super spreaders, the top world's top eight COVID misinformation super spreaders by the Atlantic Council and the Associated Press. Uh, we've been censored here. We can't broadcast on YouTube anymore. You can't even question any American election results ever. You can't question 1876 when everybody knows it was, it was stolen. Uh, you can't, you can't question it. Gore Vidal's written a bunch of books about all these different stolen American elections. 1940 with Wendell Wilkie, Uh, 1830s uh, with, uh, you know, Aaron Burr behind the scenes with Martin Van Buren and those people. Uh, it's, uh, American elections uh, have, have been, highly dicey uh over and over like 1960 with JFK stealing the Texas and, and Illinois but you can't say any of that anymore on social media or YouTube they'll uh, they'll they'll censor you we're we're living in an orwellian reality here and i think pierce robinson is sort of at, at least you know getting scratching the surface and going a little bit beneath it in this excellent article uh pointing out that Uh, Among other things, he points out that the the WHO, the WHO, established a technical advisory group on behavioral insights and sciences for health, the TAG, or TAG, chaired by Cass Sunstein whose claim to fame is, is launching a war on 9-11 conspiracy theories and uh, advocating cognitive infiltration of so-called conspiracy groups in order to disable the purveyors of conspiracy theories. So there's an all-out war on the truth going on, backed up by the World Economic Forum, Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation, creating the Trusted News Initiative. The military's is in on it, UK's 77th Brigade, uh, directing smear campaigns against the Great Barrington Declaration, Joe Rogan uh Professor Bachty and other uh, dissident experts. So yeah, we're 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 living in uh in an Orwellian world and it's getting worse and worse. You
1: know, I'll give you just one example. Professor Francis Boyle, a distinguished law professor at the University of Illinois, uh has I've heard him say and I've read in his book many that he's been blacklisted for questioning the origins of the um uh, virus and uh, by pointing out the uh, U.S. government's involvement in manufacturing, this gain of threat that they work with the Chinese and the University of North Carolina and other places. Uh, but, you know, he's been, uh, you know, turned out blacklisted and silenced simply because he questioned the accepted theory, which is totally wrong and totally dangerous, of what the American government really has done.
0: Yeah, that's a third rail issue. And that's one reason I do have some hope that if Rand Paul of Ron Johnson actually launched a uh, real a fire-breathing investigation of this, it, it could really uh, blow things up because I think the evidence is is so strong that this was a lab-engineered virus. And then the circumstantial evidence of it being a deliberate U.S. bioattack on China and Iran is almost equally strong. So it's, uh, you know, we're sitting on political dynamite here as usual, and, uh, we're, we're talking about propaganda right now, and that's Pierce Robinson's specialty. Uh, let's move on to an interesting case of propaganda. This USA Today puff piece for Antifa. It's, uh, written by a very partisan journalist. They don't seem to have objective journalists anymore who is angry <laughs> that the DA in San Diego is prosecuting 11 Antifa rioters for attacking a Proud Boys or pro-Trump demonstration. And apparently the DA says that the Antifa side was overwhelmingly responsible for the violence, which is probably true because the usual scenario in these cases is these Trump supporter types go someplace uh, basically to provoke an Antifa reaction. They basically are just going to demonstrate and then Antifa shows up and attacks them. You never see a left-wing demonstration like the George Floyd demonstrations that often turn into riots. You didn't have Trump supporters going and attacking them. That never happens. The Antifa, Antifa yeah. people never go and demonstrate for their left-wing cause and then get attacked by right-wingers and Proud Boys and stuff. It's always the other way around. It's always the Trump supporters who go to demonstrate, and Antifa comes and attacks them and of course the trump supporters know that sometimes know this is coming and they bring weapons or whatever they bring shields and mace or whatever but still it's not that surprising that the da would be charging 11 antifa defendants and no trump supporters because that's who initiated the violence but this ap article uh wait a minute this this ap you no know, usa today uh is giving us the exact opposite uh, impression as if it's a terrible injustice that they're uh, they're prosecuting these nice uh, friendly anti-fascists and <laughs> allowing the evil Nazis to walk.
1: <laughs> well, exactly right. I mean, look at the, at Charlottesville, Virginia, a couple of years. The Proud Boys and whatever the raping group was had a parade permit, and the anti attack them didn't, and yet it was the, the right-wing people who were blamed for the race riot.
0: Yeah, exactly. And and, in and that happens over and over. You know, yeah. Pardon? It, it's,
1: exactly. Yeah. This guy in Chicago, uh, an Oriental name, I can't remember what it is. He would do videos of the attacking, and uh, he himself was attacked and uh, knocked down and beaten up.
0: Media yeah, did yeah. nothing about it. Right, and yeah, yeah, yeah. Right, so uh, it's it's odd, you know, seeing these crazy extremist street fighters who who don't believe in free speech and go and attack people holding permitted legal demonstrations being held up as heroes by our mainstream media it's very odd but i guess i shouldn't be surprised it's also odd to me that the uh, mainstream media is promoting the sexual mutilation of children but i guess that shouldn't surprise me either here's a good article from dr robert malone uh pointing out that uh, these uh, mentally disturbed young people are at risk uh, of becoming victims of marketing and advertising campaigns of those who profit from these interventions. There's a vast pile of money being made by big pharma and by surgeons who are mutilating these kids. And they're putting out all sorts of brainwashing to convince these kids to come and buy the uh, very dangerous drugs and hormones and Mm -hmm. to come and line up to get uh, sexually mutilated. I mean, in a healthy society, these people would not be allowed to do this.
1: Well, exactly, they're a minuscule fraction of society. They're very organized and they're very loudmouthed and they viciously attack anyone who does. Ava Banash, who's a six foot seven man who is fat and works at a Banash and Colopy, which is an immigration law firm, and he works hand in Alaska was a high school dropout, uh, yet somehow got a degree from an Ivy League university, taught at West Point, and worked in the military police, and uh, you know, she viciously attacked me online saying I shouldn't uh, do any immigration, because I questioned the illegal aliens coming to the United States en masse.
0: Hmm. <laughs> Yeah, so it's, it's, it's all getting polarized, ultra politicized. And speaking of polarization and ultra politicization let's get it, check in on the war on Trump. This week, the (laughs) DOJ is resuming its criminal probe of so-called classified documents from Mar-a-Lago. Three-judge panel of the 11th U.S. Circuit Court of Appeals ruled that the special master uh, review is now partially stopped, and they're they're back on track for trying to prosecute Trump for this stuff, or at least doing a criminal investigation. And then the next story, we see another uh, criminal investigation of Trump alleging that the Trump family and its business entity – uh exaggerated its assets in order to obtain beneficial financial terms from lenders and insurers. And uh, the New York Attorney General, uh, Letitia James, says that's not the art of the deal, it's the art of the steal. Well, the Trump Organization is not only facing the civil suit, but it's also being prosecuted in a criminal trial October 24th in Manhattan. So Trump's under fire from all directions. Maybe it's like somebody doesn't want him to become president again.
1: I think so. I mean, they, the Washington Post has an article every day about the evil to America and will do to America if he ever comes back again. Uh, and of course, they've completely, well, Sandy Berger, uh, took classified documents home. He stole documents and did 50 hours or 100 hours of human community service and paid peanuts to a rich cat like him. And of course, you've got, uh, and who disappeared some 30,000 emails uh, from a government server and then no one about that. And, of course, Letitia James, she's suing the National Rifle Association. So uh, when it comes to Democrats, uh, I, I think that uh, there is a, a certain bias and prejudice involved.
0: Well, we'll see where all this goes because Trump still has that really strong, some would say fanatical base and, uh, we do have presidential elections coming up and things may get really bad before then, which could stir people up against the incumbent Democrats. So things could get really, really crazy. Uh, maybe it's time to book a flight to Patagonia, um, or even to another planet. And that leads us to the end of our show. Uh, if you want to go to another planet, the place to blast off is apparently, uh, Kiev. <laughs> the skies of Kiev are swarming with UFOs. And there are two basic types. There are the bright ones, the cosmics, and then the dim, dark ones, the phantoms. So, uh, <laughs> I don't know if that means they're bright aliens and then dim-witted aliens. Uh, probably not. They must all be pretty bright if they can build those, uh, whatever they are so that they're flying around in that are either bright or dim. And, uh, I don't know. I, I, I don't really think I want to uh, head for Kiev to try to hitch a flight on a UFO to someplace better than this. On the other hand, there's yeah, that might not be such a bad idea.
1: Well, you sure it's not just signals intelligence or uh, in the electronic warfare? Uh, but of course, in the past, uh, in conflicts, war, you see unidentified flying objects uh, in the middle of the conflict.
0: So, well, well, they claim that some of these are flying at. Unheard of speeds, you know, twice the speed of an ICBM in full descent, which is way faster than anything man-made could possibly go at this stage of technology. So they say. Who knows, though? Uh, But, you know, there's been this controversy about UFOs for a long time. Uh, I had Brian Rue on my radio show last night talking about that. People can find that. Uh, It'll be up at my Substack soon, kevinbarrett.substack.com. Uh, and one of the things that we hear in the UFO folklore from military people is like they there are a whole bunch of military people who've had clearance on these things that put have this little badge uh, with a picture of a, a UFO not an alien and then it says uh, de Gustus Pullum tastes like chicken. But the question is, do aliens taste like chicken, or is it the aliens eat us and we taste like chicken? Uh And if they eat us after we've been taking Nyquil to cough syrup, do we taste like? NyQuil chicken. That's what the aliens are going to have to worry about, because now uh, kids who have been brainwashed into uh, getting uh, genetically mutilated and injected with dangerous hormones and all sorts of other things are being brainwashed to marinate their chicken in NyQuil and other cough syrups. Uh, and the FDA had to issue a warning against this. So if the aliens are going to prey on this, these, the young, tender flesh of these young uh, Westerners uh, who are being brainwashed by social media, uh, they'd better be careful because that NyQuil tastes like chicken might not be good for them.
1: <laughs> the Damon Knight story, To Serve Man, where uh, the book they yeah. found uh, in the alien was a cookbook for cooking people. But I tell you, these people must have strange taste. If they're eating people with chicken cooked in Nyquil, I mean that that's absolute poisonous.
0: Yeah, dead? I think aliens are going to have to uh withdraw the uh, cookbook to serve man, which I think was also on a Twilight Zone episode, and uh, look for something tastier somewhere else in the galaxy. And they're also going to have to go somewhere else to find intelligent life because there obviously isn't any here. Time to beam us up. So beam me up, Alan. <laughs> That's the end of False Flight Weekly News. Thank you so much, J. Michael Springman. I enjoy listening to you, Uh, although we're going to have to fix your audio for next time so that we hear every single word instead of only about 90% of the words because they're all pretty good.
1: After RCN, and thank you for having me on. I greatly enjoy it. It's it's marvelous fun.
0: Okay. Uh, till next time, uh, take care, and uh, we'll hope and pray that the world still exists at our next broadcast next week, same time, same channel. See you then, inshallah.